If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms. We're going to jump right into Psalm chapter 1. Now, those of you who are in Nexus, when I say Psalm chapter 1, you know what I'm going to speak on, because for the last three or four weeks, we've been speaking on Psalm chapter 1. And so you guys get to get it again. And uh, I, I heard, yeah, I heard this wonderful, wonderful uh, teaching on wisdom. And actually the Hebrew understanding of wisdom is one of a nail being driven in. And you don't get a nail driven in just by hitting it once, but by hitting it again and again and again. So Man, we've got a wise young adult group in this church. We're going to hit it again. So Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. Do you mind if I just encourage you a little bit this morning? I, I feel like God wants to place some courage in your spirit to encourage you today. Now, how many of you are experiencing difficulties? We all do from time to time, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Go ahead. I want you to practice talking back to me. So ready? Yes. Go ahead. Ready? One, two, three. Yes. And if you don't raise your hand or don't say yes, that's I forgive you. And uh, it's okay because I know we all experience difficult times. And in fact, I believe as I was meditating on scripture this morning, that there are some of us even now, today, experiencing difficult times, walking through difficult situations. And uh, the Lord just says to you that he wants you to be like a tree planted by streams of water. And not just any stream of water, but streams of living water. I was reading this this morning and it just, it just, man, it weighed so heavy on my heart. I want you to know God, God's plan for you is not to be planted in a dry desert. It's not for you to be left alone, but it's for you to be planted by streams of water. And as I was meditating on that, God says, what does streams of water do for the tree if not resource it and empower it to grow, empower it and resource it to become all that it was meant to be today? If you're walking through a difficult time, know that God is saying to you that he wants to resource you with the resources of his kingdom. He wants to plant you by living water. He wants you to understand and to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he is empowering you to overcome. If you agree with that, just say amen. God is empowering you to overcome. Be encouraged, Antioch Church, because God is empowering you to live the fullest measure of your life today. Not tomorrow, not when your trial ends, not when persecution ceases, but in the midst of your persecution and in the midst of your difficulty, God is empowering you to live the victorious life. The second thing this verse speaks to me, and I believe he's wanting to speak to you, is that he desires that you would yield your fruit in its season. God desires us to be a fruitful people. Do you know that? Do you know that this morning? Come on now, I want you to talk back to me. Do you know that God wants you to live a fruitful life? 
Galatians chapter six, verse nine says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. God desires that no matter what season you're walking in, you are producing fruit. And, and, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, let you in on a little secret. There are specific fruits for specific seasons. The reason it's important to understand that is because when you're walking through a specific season, we must seek God on what fruit he would have us bear in this season and not try to force fruit that we want to have in this season. Hope deferred makes the heart and everybody said, sick. We all know it. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But I want to submit to you this morning, if we place our hope in Jesus and not in the fruit that we think we should have, then maybe we would not have hope deferred and our heart would cease being sick. I think if we understood what God wants of our lives in this difficult season, then we would begin to partner with seeing that fruit. We would know, we would have direction on how to see that fruit produced in our lives. The thing that concerns me in America, in the Western church, is that most of us attempt to flee difficult situations, never taking the time to seek God and say, what are you trying to produce in my life? What are you trying? Are you trying to produce the fruit of peace in the difficult times? See, God does, it's easy to have peace. It is easy to have peace in, in the simple and peaceful times. But God wants to create a people that can hold on to peace and live out peace even in the midst of the storm. That's the kind of people God is desiring to produce in the earth. The unsaved can have peace in peaceful times. But I believe it, it requires the spirit of the living God dwelling inside of us for us to experience peace in the difficult times. But God is saying to you, listen, listen there, there is a fruit to be harvested in your season right now even in the hardship and even in the difficulty. God's saying, I, listen, I know, I know that you have X, Y, and Z on your mind. I know that this relationship is difficult. It's hard. I know that this place of unforgiveness in your past, you don't want to touch that. But God's saying, listen, if you'll just hear my heart, you will hear me say there is a fruit to be had in that unforgiveness becoming forgiveness. There's a freedom that God wants to release in you, the fruit of freedom if we will not run from the hard season. Are you with me this morning? The third thing this scripture reveals to us about God's desire for us is that he wants to produce a people that are, that's like a tree that's planted and whose leaf does not wither. There are different seasons and different times in our lives when we experience what we can only describe as a withering. It's dry and it's, the heat has been turned on and we feel the withering of faith, the withering of our joy, the the withering of hope. In fact, the Hebrew word here is naval. 
And it means to sink or to drop down and to languish. Have you ever been there? Church, have you ever been there? Have you ever been that season where you just feel like everything's languishing? Everything's stagnant, nothing real. I mean, I thought I had such great dreams and now nothing is happening. God, God, why? Why, God? I don't understand. It means, this, this Hebrew word means to fall away. It means to wither and fall away. Think about the leaves in autumn. They begin to change color and then they wilt and, they, and then they fall away. And I'm telling you this morning, God doesn't want us to, to wither. God wants us to prosper. He want, God desires us to be full of life, even in the midst of death. God wants, God, at all season, every heartbeat that we have should be filled with the heartbeat and life of God and the life of heaven. I came to give you life and life more abundant. Not some life, not life some of the time, not life most of the time, but life all the time. Life that overflows, that's the life I have for you. The interesting about the thing about this Hebrew word, naval, means it also means to despise, to regard and to treat as foolish, to treat with contempt. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you get up and you go to work or you go to school or you go to wherever it is you need to go and Everything that happens just frustrates you. Have you ever been in that place? That person who cut somebody else off, they didn't even cut you off on the road. They cut someone else off and you think, ah, if where's the cops when you need? I just wish I could see that cop. Pull them over. Oh, I better slow down. <laughs> and y'all that are laughing just know because that's you. You're laughing because it's you. And I'm trying not to laugh because I'm pretending like it's not me, but it's me, it's me. And you know, here's the thing, you, you know, you, you have deep and, and meaningful relationships in your life. And yet when you speak to your friends or to your family, or you confide to your spouse, all you can talk is about the negative aspects of that relationship. Let's think about this. You love your spouse, you married your spouse, and, it, and yet there are times and seasons when our thoughts and our hearts betray us and they are filled with bitterness and anger. I know there are times, and, and my wife's not here, so I'd appreciate it if you didn't say anything. There are times when our relationship is not butterflies and roses. I know. And, and those of you who know my wife, are, are, I know you're just sitting there going, well, I know it's not Aaron's fault. <laughs> That's okay, I take it, I receive it. There is a measure of truth to that. <laughs> but listen, every relationship, we, we, we get those times. I know that there are times when, man, she gets under my skin like nobody else, nobody else. I thought my brother was bad, but nobody can get me angry like my wife can get me angry. I mean, there are parts of me that come out that I haven't seen since junior high. I'm like, I mean, I just want to stomp around, kick things and, and listen, and, 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 and you know, you have a disagreement and don't tell me you haven't experienced this. 
You walk away and three days later, you're still thinking about what you could have said and what you should have said. And, and listen, it is, you're just angry and mad. And I, listen, I'm speaking from experience and I'm young married, so it's probably more frequent than most. But I'm telling you right now, it's so easy to slide into bitterness. It's so easy to slide into despising the gifts that God has given us, to treating with di- treating those things that are meant to be set apart and holy as unholy, to treat those things that are meant to bring honor to him with dishonor. It's easy. And this is what I would submit to you this morning, that this Hebrew word naval means, listen, when you begin to find yourself in a place of bitterness, where, where the words of your mouths don't promote life, but they speak despair and, and anger, and you begin to despise that which is a gift unto you, I submit to you that you are experiencing a withering There is a withering that is taking place in your soul. And I've seen this happen so bad that that those who, who, I've seen young people who loved the Lord. I went to Oral Roberts University and I was in the theology department. Yeah, I love ORU, but I was in the theology department and I saw friends who came into that school loving the Lord, passionate for his word and turn around at the end of three semesters full of bitterness and anger. And every word that proceeds out of their mouth, mouth is, a mouth, uh, is a word of death and despair. Every speaker that would come into Oral Roberts University and speak at chapel, it was like you would go to chapel, then go to lunch, and that lunchroom would be filled with just how angry people were. I can't believe he said this or that, or she said this. I can't believe. And and listen, I'm telling you right now, that is not an issue of the speakers. That's not the speaker's issue. That's our issue. That only reveals the withered nature of our soul. But listen, this is, listen, God is saying to us today, there is a lifestyle available to us where we don't experience we don't experience the withering of our soul. The, the con- listen, the condition of my soul and my spirit is not contingent upon my external circumstance. I'm planted by streams of living water and I, and I draw my strength and my sustenance from the living water and not from my experience in this life. And finally, scripture says in Psalm chapter one that God is creating, God, there is a, there is a lifestyle, there's a type of person who prospers in everything that he does. Everything that, you, everything that this person touches, it prospers. Now, how many of you want to be that kind of person? Amen. Lift your hands high and say, I receive it. Come on. I want to be a person who's prosperous in this. God has it. God has called you. I know there's a lot of different teachings on this, but I'm telling you right now, God's scripture says he desires you to be prosperous, to be prosperous. Now, let's just take a moment and understand what exactly scripture is trying to say. The Hebrew word here means to go over or to go through. To go over or to go through. 
Listen, you might be going through a difficult time, but God wants you to be prosperous in the difficult time. See, we have in America, in, in Western Christianity, I think we've been infected with the American dream. And when we hear prosperous, we think financially blessed. And while there is a measure of financially blessed that is, that is a part of being prosperous, I'm here to tell you there's more to being prosperous than money. And in fact, if, if money becomes the very thing that keeps you from crossing over the river and getting into the promised land, then it is not prosperous unto you. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with your finances. Prosperous means the God wants us to be the type of people that when the mountain rises up before us, we can conquer that mountain. We have been filled with the life of God and we can overcome the mountain and we can walk through the valley. That's prosperous. That Hebrew word means to walk through, not to escape. The word prosperous doesn't mean, listen, money can become something. It's a vehicle through which we escape. And if that's the truth, then it is, I submit to you, it is not prosperous. But God wants you to be prosperous. God wants you to be the type of people who can walk through it. It also means to attack, to come upon, to fall upon something. I have seen and have experienced those moments in life when something so bad happens that it's almost beyond comprehension. And in those seasons and in those times and those situations, I, I think it's more than valid. It's more than understandable for our hearts to want to escape. I, I, I mean, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You experience those times and you just think, ah, I want to get away. But there's a, there's a part of the prosperous life that I think bolsters us to where we don't run away. We're not stagnant, but we take the initiative and we attack. We attack that difficult time with the promises of God. We attack the difficult times with his word. Prosperous also means to, to go on well, to succeed, to be in, in, in like in a specific affair, to succeed, to be successful, to be, and I love this word, profitable. Again, when we hear the word profitable, we immediately think of money. But I, wanna, I, want, I want you to just latch on to this definition of profitable. Profitable simply means the addition of value. That's it. When you can draw, when you walk away from an interaction having added value, then it was profitable. Now, why is that important? Well, because I want to be the kind of person who's prosperous. That means every time I talk to someone, I'm adding value to them. And every time, I, when I walk down the street and I bump into somebody, I am adding value to who they are. I'm adding value. Everywhere I go, I add value. I add value, I don't subtract it. I add it. 
It also, it also means that I want to be the type of person, if I'm going to be prosperous, it means when, when life and when the enemy tries to steal and kill and destroy, I still come out on the other side having added value unto my life. You can try to steal all my money, but I have greater faith in the prosperity of God and his provision than I've ever had before. I've walked away having added value to who I am. There is, there is a life of prosperity that's available to you, church. I'm almost done with the introduction. If you have your Bibles, turn in. I just, I never read Psalm 23 this way, but let's just go to Psalm 23. Most, most of you have heard this. Many of you have memorized it, but I just want to read it with, from this lens. Think about a prosperous person. What we just defined as prosperous. I now look at Psalm 23 as the picture of prosperity. It is, the, it is the journal entry of a man who's learned how to be prosperous in every situation. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by, beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. I'm profitable. My soul has been restored. I, there's something that speaks prosperity in that. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk through the difficult season, even though the storm has raised up against me, what does he say? Come on, I, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Not, not when I got away from my enemies. Not when, I, not when I got to the top of the mountain did you prepare a table. In the middle of my dark season of the soul, God prepared a table for me. In the presence of my enemies. Not when they left, when they were attacking me. God prepared a table for me. Listen, my cup overflows. That's prosperity. That's what God has made available to you. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That, that, I'm telling you, I've never heard of a more prosperous life. That's the kind of person I wanna be. That's the kind of prosperous person God has not, God has called us to be. It's important to understand who is it that walks in prosperity like this? Who is it that is planted by streams of water? Who is it? Who is it? You know who it is? It's the man who is planted. He is like a tree that is planted by streams of water. 
And this morning, I think it's important for us to hone in on that. This is, this, I'm just, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best to very quickly give you five different lessons that we can learn from being planted. I think God's saying to you, you want, listen, my desire for you is to experience this type of life. And in order for that to happen, you must be a planted people. You must be a planted people. So five lessons that we can learn from being planted. Number one, planted people are submitted to the presence and authority of a planter. He's like a tree that is planted. The Hebrew word there means plant, but it actually means transplanted. It means having been moved by someone to a specific place for a specific duration of time and planted in that place. And if we're to be a planted people, I think scripture is trying to tell us we must learn how to submit to God and where and when and how long he has planted us where we're at. Are you planted in your church body? We see people bouncing around from church to church to church. And, and, and I'm telling you right now, I understand God does transplant us. That is not the issue here. But the, the issue that I am contending with right now is the ability to stay in a place until God says, okay, now I want, I want to move you. Just, I mean, think about it. A tree doesn't worry about where it's being transplanted. It, does, it doesn't try to plant itself. All it does is it submits to the wisdom. wisdom. It submits to the power and the design of the planter. You want to be a planted person. Then listen, church, we must learn how to hear his voice and just say, God, whatever you want. I trust you. I, don't, I may not agree. I, I, I may not agree, but I trust you. And I'll stay here until you make it abundantly clear that you are moving me. I, I was uh, when, right out of college. I went to Washington State to be a youth pastor at, a, at a, uh, what was considered a successful church in Olympia. And in my youthful zeal, I thought, large church, Washington, which I love that state. I thought, man, this must be God's will. And I just went. I never really sat down to ask him. I, I just went. And I experienced two of the most difficult years of my life. I had no family. There, was, there, were, there were no uh, Jonathan Daniel, uh, Jonathan David relationships for me there. Do you guys understand the season I'm talking about, the describing? You've ever experienced this? You feel so isolated, so alone. And I'm telling you right now, I experienced not life, but I experienced a, a very specific type of withering in that season. But the Lord's so good. He'll take a season like that and he'll say, I can, I can, I can work this for good. I can make this good in you if you let me. And my parents tried to convince me, Dan, you've got to leave that church. Just leave, quit. You should quit. And I had people in the congregation, good intentions, 
come up and tell me and start talking bad about the senior pastor and the, and, the, and, and the leaders who are over me and say, you're becoming like them. You should not become like them. You should just leave. And I, I, I there was one particular moment. I was setting up, I was, I was, uh, Man, I was a workhorse at that church. I was like anything physical that needed to be done, just call Dan. He lives real close to the church. And so I was setting up these portable stages alone in uh, this big auditorium. And <laughs> you guys, someone called me on my phone and another, it was just another person with good intentions who'd been hurt by church leadership. And they started railing against it and saying, Dan, you're becoming just like them and you're defending them and you need to just leave. And, and I, I just said, sorry, I understand. And I was so young, I didn't know what to say. So praise God, I didn't say anything. I just said, (laughs) and I lay, and I just, I'm I'm like sweating and moving these stages by myself. And I, I tell you what, I laid in the middle of that gym. I just laid down, you know, you just, it's like, Sometimes life just gets on you and it's so heavy. And uh, I just laid there and I wept before the Lord because I didn't know what to do. I, I mean, I honestly didn't know what to do. My parents were living in the Middle East at the time and my family was in the military. I moved every three years of my life. So, so it's not like I had a lot of, I didn't have a structure or a community that I was a part of that could support me in a difficult time. Like I just laid there broken, weeping, not saying anything. And, and finally, these words came out of my mouth. And this has only happened a few times to me that it's a prayer that I did not consciously think of. It just, it just straight from the burden of my soul, it just, it just came out, it just popped out of my mouth. And then I thought about it. And, and this, this deep cry welled up within me. And I said, God, I'm not gonna leave until you, until you move me. And I didn't even understand what that meant. I just knew, I was like, God, I'm setting my face like flint. And I, I believe that you've got something good for me. And I'm just gonna stick it out until you move me. And there came a time when the Lord Moved me. He transplanted me. But I'm telling you right now, I believe if I'd have taken the advice of all those people, well-intentioned people, I would have missed out. And I would have missed out on the fruit of the Lord in my life. I'd have missed out on something very important being instilled in me. I would not have walked away from that situation having profited. I would have walked away in the red. I'd have walked away in the negative. I'd have walked away giving, giving, giving and empty. But God doesn't want you to leave empty. God doesn't want you to leave empty. Even in the midst of my enemies, you prepare a table for me. You anoint my head with oil and my cup, it overflows. And I believe what was instilled in me in that moment was an understanding. I I didn't even understand. I didn't even hear the word covenant, but I understood something about covenant. I understood something about sticking with it. 
I think God's saying to us this morning, listen, be a people who submitted to me as I plant you in this place. If you have found, and, and I, and I want to say this, if you have found yourself in a place where you've, maybe you've left, you're looking back now as, as I'm speaking, and, and I just want, I want to make sure that you're not hearing anything in condemnation. The Lord, the, the Lord isn't condemning you for maybe a past decision where you might've left because Lord knows I do this, I, li- I have left. I have left. But what the Lord is saying is, oh, there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a path to the abundant, prosperous life. And if, if you can just trust me, to be the planter. I will plant you and I will transplant you in the right season and in the right time. And then you will always profit from that. Number two, planted people are unmoving and steadfast in nature. When you think about a tree that is truly planted, you see, you can hear the implication, planted, unmoving, unswerving, persevering, steadfast. The NASB translated as, translates it as, he will be like a tree firmly planted. Planted people are the kind of people who can weather the storm. I want to be planted. There are too many storms in life for me not to be, to be tossed to and fro. There are too many difficulties, too many hardships. I must be planted. Number three, planted people experience life in all circumstances. Planted people experience life in every circumstance, good and bad. There is a a foundational truth. A, a connection and an understanding of life and life more abundant that does not leave us. It does not, it, it is in us and we understand it because the tree that is planted by streams of water, it is drawing life from that water. The storm can rage all around the tree. It can rain, the rains can buffet the tree, but I'm telling you right now, the tree is still, even then, garnering life from that stream. Planted people experience life. We can put our faith in that. There is a life available to us, no matter how dry our season is. There's always, 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 always life available to us. Philippians chapter four, verses 11 through 13. I think Paul, Paul touches on this when he says, I, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am in. I've learned to be content in what, whether, I'm, whether I'm hungry or just starving to death, I've learned. I've learned how to be content. Why is that? Why did, how did learn, how did Paul learn to do that? I think it's because he was planted. He was steadfastly planted and he was drawing life from a spiritual source and not just a physical source. You still with me this morning? Lesson number four, planted people experience transformation. Planted people experience transformation. First Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42. If you could pull that up for me, that would be 
Wonderful. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42. Scripture says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown, the body is sown a perishable body, but it is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. I think we're seeing a principle of God's kingdom in being planted. And that is when you are planted, you experience transformation. The word sown is just another word for planting. So your weakness is planted, but from that transformation takes place and it becomes power. And I love this because listen, transformation is not a cutting away and a getting rid of the old to be replaced by the new. That's not what transformation is. Transformation is a metamorphosis of one substance into another. That means we don't have to run from our weaknesses. We don't have to hide our weaknesses. We can bring them into the light and say, God, I'm staying planted. I'm planting this in you. And I'm expecting from this impurity, you're going to transform it into, you're going to raise it up as purity. I remember this book by C.S. Lewis, The Great Divorce. He, he describes this scene where this man is talking with an angel and he has this, this lizard type creature on his shoulder. It's whispering in his ear. And the angel says, let me, let, me just, let me just kill this. Let me destroy this little lizard. And the man's like, no, 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 it's okay. He'll be quiet. It's gonna be okay. No, he'll be, he's gonna pretend like he's not even there. It's okay, don't, no, no, no. And then he says, no, well, well, okay, wait, wait, wait. Don't kill it. I'll just... I will take care of it. I'm going to take care of this and I'm going to get it off of me. And he can never get it off of him and it's influencing him. And, and finally the angel said, please, let me just, let me take care of this for you. And, and the guy's like, no, 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 no. Please don't, please don't do this. It's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. I can't bring it into the light. It's going to hurt too much. If you take this from me, it's going to hurt. It's going to kill me. Finally, the angel says, let me, let me do this. Let me make you free. The man says, fine, just do it. And he breaks the back of this little creature. And, and the most amazing thing happens. C.S. Lewis is so brilliant. He just says, that lizard falls to the ground and instead of dying and fading away, it begins to writhe and convulse and grow and change. And in the blink of an eye, it's been transformed into this mammoth horse, strong, pure white white as snow. And the man himself is transformed and he jumps onto the back of this horse and this horse takes off faster than light and, it, and he rides it into the very cities of God. And C.S. Lewis, as he was explaining what he meant when he wrote that, it's, he was, this, the, the, the creature represented lust. And the man's embarrassed and the man wants to hide it. And the man wants, no, or he feels like, he feels like if you, if you kill this, it's gonna kill something in me. I'm gonna die, it's too hard. But when he allowed this heavenly being to destroy this creature, the creature didn't fade away. It became the very vehicle that, that moved him into the city of God, into the promises of God. 
I think we have an unhealthy desire to cover up our sin. I think we're afraid, we're embarrassed. Maybe we feel like it's just, it's just too hard. I don't know. But a planted person can experience transformation and the very thing he fears and has tried to run away from, it becomes the very tool that brings glory to God. It's the very tool that draws other to know his name. It's the very thing that brings forth life in the place of death. We don't get rid of it. It becomes a part of the vehicle that takes us into all that God created us to be. Planted people experience transformation. Five, finally, planted people bear fruit. Trees that are planted bear fruit. Trees that are not planted do not bear fruit. Now, I'm gonna ask you a question. How many of you want to be the type of person who bears fruit? Absolutely. I want to be that person. We want to be that type of person. And I don't think it's coincidental that Paul describes love, joy, and peace as fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are fruits. The problem and the issue is when we don't see the fruit, maybe it's because we're not planted. Only planted people produce fruit. And if we need the fruit of peace, then we need to get planted. We need to get planted into the Prince of Peace. Sometimes there is a truth that says, if I want some, if I want this type of fruit, I need to plant that seed. And I think God's saying this morning, he's saying, listen, it's not that you need to plant a seed outside of yourself. You yourself must be planted and I will birth peace inside of you. We think, well, I need this, so I'm gonna give more money. I'm just gonna throw more money at this and God, I'm gonna believe that you're gonna return unto me this thing that I need. But I don't think that's how it works. We don't need to plant more seed. We need to plant ourselves. We are the seed. We are the seed. Giving then becomes not a planting of seed, but a planting of self. When I give of my finances, because I'm planting myself. We must become planted people. Let me end with this. Man, I had so many cute stories and anecdotes I wanted to share. (laughs) But let me end with this. It's important to understand that in order to be planted as the psalmist describes. Now there's, there's lots of ways that scripture talks about us being planted. Jesus says in John chapter 15, says, remain in me and I will remain in, uh, in, in you. He says, apart from me, you cannot produce fruit. So remain in me. So in other words, be planted. I must be planted. Not, not my finances planted in Jesus. I must be planted in Jesus. I must be planted and remain in him if I'm going to bear fruit. Hebrews says, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. What is that? That is being planted in community. You must be planted. Your money can't be planted in the community. It's not what God wants. He wants you to be planted in the community. You guys understand what I'm saying? But it's important to understand what is the psalmist, this scripture right here, what does the psalmist say about being planted? Who is it that is the man that is planted and like a tree 
by living waters. Who is that? Very simply, it's those who del- whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on it day and night. The word of the Lord that has been coming forth in Nexus and in my life personally is one of loving again God's word. We love God's spoken word in Antioch Church as we should. God is speaking to us today. It didn't stop. But just as important as God's spoken word is this thing we call scripture, this thing we call the Bible. We need to be a people of God's word. The one who, and listen, I'm not talking about just reading it every day, a chapter every day. No, 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 no. It says, he's whose delight is in it. Longing, the same word delight is found in the word pant when the psalmist says, as the deer pants for living water, so I pant after you. It's the same word. The one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, whose longing, thirsting, so consumes me for your written word. Hebrews says this, it says, it says that God's word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It separates soul from spirit. That's why we need the written word because when we receive the spoken word, the written word helps us to divide our soul and our desires and our brokenness from his word that is spoken to us. We need his word. I believe what the psalmist is saying is you want to experience a life without the wither. You want to experience a life that is prosperous and in every way, then be a people who is consumed with the written word of God, loving it, delighting in it. I'm not talking about religiously reading it. I'm talking about loving God's word. And so my question to you this morning is this, it's not, are you planted? My question is to you, My question to you is, could you describe yourself as a man or a woman of God's word? Can you describe your lifestyle as one reflecting the scriptures? One of the questions that has convicted me since this word has come forth in my life is the Holy Spirit just frankly, he asked me, he said, Dan, when's the last time you really, really memorized scripture? Has your phone become a replacement for writing the word upon the tablet of your heart. Or, and then he started to talk to me about the way I read scripture. These reading plans are meant to be a tool to love his word. But sometimes the reading plan becomes a checklist so that we can free ourselves of any guilt. And I think God's saying, I'm not looking for people who just read the word and check it off their to-do list. I'm looking for people who love the the word so much that they're meditating on it every day and every night. Every moment is consumed with a longing to read his word. And I gotta be honest with you, I am falling woefully short in that regard. And I have fallen woefully short. But over the last few weeks, I have been saying, God, increase my love for your word. Would you just stir up my desire? God, I I want to love your word again. There was a time when I would read the scriptures. I wouldn't even read the scriptures. I'd open up my Bible and I had this large print red letter Bible as a a sophomore in high school. And I was just, just learning how to love the word. I'd never really read the Bible before. And I was so moved 
in my love for the Lord that as I read his scriptures, I'd see, I would just see red. I wouldn't even read it. I'd just see red and I would weep. And I can't remember the last time I did that. I can't remember the last time I just wept at the mere mention of scripture. And the Lord said, Dan, Dan, be a man that delights in my word. Let your reading be a fruit of your intense desire for my word. And if you can do that, then you will be as a tree planted. Then you will be like a tree planted. Not when you do everything right. When you love my word. Not when you, not when you. (laughs) Some people walk around saying, oh, I read, I read the Bible through, straight through every year. And I want to say big deal. (laughs) Because I don't want to be the kind of person who just reads through the Bible. If it, if I spend one year in just a single passage, so be it, I'm in the word. I love the word. Now, if someone can come say to me, man, I love God's word. I am moved. That moves me. Antioch Church, I, I, I'm, just saying, I'm just trying to communicate this. God is calling us. I believe he's calling this church. I want, I want, to, I want to challenge you this morning to go home and spend some heartfelt time in conversation with the Lord and to ask him, Lord, do I really love your word? I would encourage you to do this. Read Psalm 119. Just begin to read it and ask yourself, is this my prayer? Psalm 119. Oh, how I love thy law. The psalmist says, how I love thy law. Can I say that about myself? Oh man, he's called you to be a people so prosperous and fruitful. I pray you walk away from this, this day and this service saying, I now have a way to be that which you've called me to be. Not to do what you've called me to do, but to be what God has called me to be. That's what's important here. You guys hear my heart this morning? It's changing my life. I was trying to think of a different word to speak this morning because I've spoken it three times in Nexus. (laughs) These young adults are like, oh my God, again. And the Lord just wouldn't let me go. And the fact that I'm experiencing such life from my journey in God's word right now, I just, I'm overflowing. I can't help but tell you. Can I pray for you this morning? Heavenly Father, whatever was from my soul, would you just cut that out? And whatever is of your spirit, would you cause it to burrow deep in our hearts and in our spirits? And would it, I pray, Lord Jesus, I pray it would bug us all week. I just pray that we would be bothered all week by this, by this word, that we would just, Oh, I want to get in God's word more. Ah, I want to love it once again. I want to love your word. I want to be a people of your word. I pray, Lord Jesus, you would stoke the flames of desire. You, 
God, I pray we would not be distracted by the things of this life, but Lord, we, we would, because of the word, be able to look at life with great clarity. Why? Because your word in all ways and in all things, it is profitable. So God, I just pray. I pray and release a spirit of humility over this church to receive from you whatever it is you want to give. I also pray, Lord Jesus, if I have said anything that has turned people away from you this morning, forgive me. I plead the blood of Jesus. But Holy Spirit, would you go into that place and just draw people near to you? This life is meant to be more than a service once or twice a week. Christianity, oh Jesus, it's meant to be more. I pray that this key would be a life-giving key of sonship and not orphan slavery. I, I just, I pray, Lord Jesus, that it's, that it helps us to be all that you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.